1: Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I hope all of you have had an amazing week. If you're like me, you're already starting to put up Christmas decorations. Yep, I'm that person who starts thinking about and planning for Christmas before Thanksgiving. Don't judge me. And if you've been following, you know that Jesus and I celebrate a birthday together. Yep. Yep. This year is my big 4-0. I'm officially going to be 40 years old, the real advanced maternal age. So I'm excited about my upcoming family birthday trip to celebrate that. Well, going into the holiday season really has some of y'all doing some soul searching and true confessions. I've had several appointments and even DMs about paternity testing during and after pregnancy. So I thought we'd talk about it today. Now, let me start by saying we're friends. So this is a no judgment zone. Not here to judge, but I love you. So some of what you're going to hear could be considered the hard truth. According to a Swedish study published in the Journal of Internal Medicine, about 0.4 to 5.9% of pregnancies have unknown paternity worldwide, although Some populations might have higher percentages. I'm not going to even call those populations out, but it's not that low everywhere, okay? Uh, And don't think this is just single people. Some married women don't know the father of their babies either. Now, I've been doing this for a while now, and I have seen a lot, and people try to figure out who their baby daddies are and just can't. Do it, and nothing seems to surprise me now. So, I know you don't want to be a statistic, so you ask how you can know the paternity before the baby is born. Uh, If you've kept a period tracker using an app, which I wish everyone would do, then you already know that there are only certain days in your fertile window. Backtrack who you've had intercourse with on those fertile days or within three days of those fertile days. Those are the fathers that are the contenders, okay? So if you don't have sex with them during that time frame, guess what? They're not the daddy. Okay, you can exclude you can exclude them, okay? Now, if you had intercourse with two men in the same month, but only one during the fertile window, then that's the father. Now, let's say you had intercourse with two men in the same week. This can be where it gets a little bit tricky. If your fertile days were all week, then you have to be honest and let both men know there's a chance either one of them could be the father. Now, if you happen to have intercourse with only one though, then there's your answer. Now, if you don't keep up with an app, think back to the first day of your last menstrual cycle over the last three months. Now, either add those dates to an app or simply count the number of days from The first day of your cycle. And so the first day of your cycle is day one of your menstrual cycle. Okay. Then count until the first day of your next menstrual cycle. That tells you how long your actual menstrual cycle is. So from period day one to period day one the next month, that's how long your menstrual cycle is. So some people have a 21 day menstrual cycle, meaning every three weeks you have a period. Some people have a 31 day menstrual cycle. Everyone is different when it comes to this. If you're having a cycle, so from day one of your period to day one the next month, if it's over 35 days, then you're having an ovulatory bleeding. So you shouldn't be getting pregnant anyway because you're not ovulating uh, regularly. Okay. So basically, anywhere from 21 to 32 days will be considered a normal length of time between the start of one period to the start of the next period. Okay, so once you figure out how long your menstrual cycles are, then count eight to 10 days after the first day of your menstrual cycle. Those three days, those are your fertile days. Okay, then add a day before and a day after, and that's your fertile window. Then you figure out who you've had intercourse with during that window, and that's the father of the baby. If you can't figure that out or have more than one potential father in that fertile window, then you need paternity testing at some point. And you need to be a big girl and be honest with both of them and let them know. Now, paternity testing can be done during the pregnancy or after the baby is born. Now, I know you probably want to know before, but testing during the pregnancy, it has its risk. First, paternity testing during pregnancy requires a genetic amniocentesis. Now, most providers who do amniocentesis will require you to do your own research to find out a paternity testing lab who will then mail you the kit, or you have to go pick up the kit? Now, once you get the kit, you will need to bring it with you to the appointment. Because guess what? I can do your amnio all day, and some OBG ones don't do your amnio. So they send you to me, and then I have to have the hard conversation with you. But I'm not about to research the lab, the cost of the lab, whether your insurance is going to cover that. Most insurance will not cover paternity testing within the pregnancy or outside of the pregnancy. So you're going to have to fork over that cost and pay for it. Okay. I'll do the procedure after counseling you, but you have to do that research yourself. Don't think that you're going to go to the doctor and they're going to do paternity testing because it don't work like that, okay? Now, a genetic amniocentesis can be done as early as 16 weeks. Some even say 14 or 15 weeks. But typically, the two layers of the gestational sac, which is the sac the baby sits in, those are called the amnion and the chorion, they need to fuse until uh, they usually don't fuse until about the 16th week of pregnancy or after that. So, yeah, there's been reports of 14, 15 weeks, but that's sort of kind of early. So, don't get your hopes up on that. Now, an amniocentesis can be done by us sterilizing the belly. And then, once we sterilize the belly, so you're basically put on the ultrasound table, we sterilize the belly, and then we introduce a needle through the abdominal wall or the wall of the belly down through the uterus and into the fluid that surrounds the baby. We then take off about 30 cc's of fluid or amniotic fluid with a large syringe. We then check the baby's heartbeat to make sure everything's still okay. We remove the needle. We send the fluid off to the lab, okay? Usually we send it to the lab of your choice. You brought us a kit, we put it in the kit, okay? The alternative, which is safer, but might carry a little more drama is to wait until after the baby is born. Now, once born, an oral swab or blood can be collected from the baby and from the presumed parents for direct testing. This is the easiest thing to do, but I, I get that it can take a little while, right? Usually paternity testing takes anywhere from two to four weeks to get those results done. Some people don't have the patience to wait that long, So they want paternity testing done in the pregnancy. It's still going to take you two to four weeks to get it done, okay? Now, in addition to collecting the kit as well as uh, the blood test or oral swab if you're doing it after pregnancy, they will also have to do swabs or, or collect blood on the parent depending on the type of test that you get, okay? So those are the two options you have in pregnancy or out of pregnancy. There's really no way to definitively do paternity testing in pregnancy without doing an amniocentesis to test the actual baby's cells, okay? So there's there's not really a definitive way to do that. All right, so now that you know a little bit more about paternity testing, let's go to some cases.
2: Our first case is a 21-year-old who is 22 weeks pregnant with her first child. She has sickle cell anemia and wants to know the risk of her baby having it. However, she is unsure of the paternity of the baby because she got pregnant after breaking up with her ex and starting to date her new boyfriend. She presents for genetic counseling.
1: There's a washout period, y'all, for relationships too. <laughs> okay, I, I listen, I had to say it. I love y'all, but we can't be going from one to another like this because it can confuse things, right? So I always tell people to give it a month between before you are trying to do something really serious, or make sure you're using some type of uh, protection so you won't have this situation. But since we have it, your sickle cell anemia, you're asking a real question. How do you know if your baby has, uh, will have, what your baby's risk is? Will your baby have sickle cell anemia? So, sickle cell anemia is basically a genetic disorder that's very common in African Americans, okay? Meaning the incidence is about one in 30 people or carriers, okay, for sickle cell disease um, or sickle cell trait that can cause the disease. So it is inherited in an autosomal recessive fashion. And what that means is both parents have to have the trait for the child to have a 25% chance of having the disease. Now, the easiest thing to do here to figure out what your baby's risk is, if we really are trying to figure out the baby's risk and not the paternity, is to say, hey, I need both men to get genetic carrier screening, right? And if neither one of them are carriers for the sickle cell trait, then you know that the chance of your baby having sickle cell disease is slim to none, right? You move on about your business and then you can get paternity testing afterwards. But if either one of them tests positive, then you know you have a 25% chance if, um, If that person that tests positive is the father of the baby, then the next step you could do to confirm if the baby has single cell anemia or not is to do a genetic amniocentesis, which is when we introduce a needle into the uterus, withdraw fluid from around the baby and send that off for the baby's genetic makeup specifically for that single gene deletion, right? There's like a a guanine to valine switch, okay? On chromosome six that causes... uh, sickle cell disease, okay? So you can get that testing done. There's a specific lab that screens specifically for sickle cell disease. You can get that done. Now, the other thing issue you have is that you unsure of the paternity. So let's say that your baby ends up having sickle cell disease and one man is a carrier of sickle cell trait and the other one's not. Well, then you already know that that person that's a carrier is going to be the father of the baby. Let's say both of them are carriers. Then again, you're in the same situation where you have to do paternity testing. And if you're going to go in and do a genetic amniocentesis, you may as well go ahead and get them to draw extra fluid to send off for the babies, for the genetic makeup of the baby, to figure out who's the father. That's still telling both of them that they could potentially be the father of the baby. If both of them are negative, that's great because you know that the baby is not going to have the disease But again, you're going to have to tell both men because you're going to need to test both men or you can tell one at a time. Right. Hey, I'm not sure if you're the father of the baby. Can you get tested? You test that one person, that person's negative. Then you can go and test the second one or you can just test all the same time on the same amniotic fluid. And ethically, no OBGYN is going to do an amniocentesis twice in the pregnancy for two different men or multiple men. We're not going to do it. We're going to tell you get paternity testing afterwards. And realistically, I would encourage you to get paternity testing afterwards anyway, because why carry the risk of an amniocentesis to find out the paternity when you can find it out afterwards and then carry no risk? All right. So I know we want to know, but at some point we got to be honest about the situation and not put the baby at risk. The exception is something like this, like, hey, there's a genetic condition that can affect quality of life later on. Then I would say, okay, well, we need to figure out if this baby's affected, meaning we'll test the baby itself. And if we're already sticking a needle in to get fluid around the baby, then if you wanted to get a kit for us to send off for paternity testing, we can do that at the same time since we're going to test the baby anyway. So the case pearl for this case is Carrier screening for all parties involved can help assess the genetic risk if the paternity is unknown. However, if the carrier screening is inconclusive, like both of them are negative for a certain disease or both of them are positive, then you have to make some tough decisions. All right, medical intern, I heard that we had two email cases today. She's shaking her head yes.
2: So what's our first one? The first one says, Dr. Pliny, I was raped and I'm now 14 weeks pregnant. My husband and I really want to know the paternity so that we can make some decisions about my pregnancy. Is there any way to figure out the paternity without doing an amniocentesis? If not, then what are the risks involved with an amniocentesis? Also, are there any long-term risks of fertility issues if we decide to terminate? This
1: is so unfortunate. Um, you know, one, I wanna say how sorry I am that someone has decided to violate you. For someone to be raped is just so disheartening. So I apologize that you're going through this and suffering through this. Two, I, I hate that you have to make these tough decisions that you ordinarily would not make. The fact that you even have to figure out, like, is this my husband's baby or is this somebody else's baby that I don't even know? It's just like just can be so overwhelming. But we are here to help support you through this. If you need us, send me a DM and I can help you get some resources. But the short answer is, can you know the paternity without doing amniocentesis? The short answer is no. You can't definitively know without doing an amniocentesis unless you wait until after the baby's born. The alternative is if you're a carrier for something, and your husband's a carrier for something, and you test, you know, well, no, even then you would still need to do an amnio to figure out if the baby's a carrier. So either way, you're in a situation where you're going to have to do an amnio if you want to 100% know before you move forward with the pregnancy. And having having said that you have been raped, you want to be sure. Like we can't, we shouldn't go through like, well, if this, then this, and if this, then this. I mean, if you are trying to make a decision whether or not you should carry this baby, you need to be definitive. And that is with the genetic amniocentesis. Um, now, you're 14 weeks, the further you get along, the more expensive this becomes if you decide to get it and the more restrictive so some states have a cutoff of you know six weeks like texas or 13 weeks like a lot of states in the south meaning once you turn the second trimester so you're 14 weeks so you may have to do a little bit of traveling i don't know where you are but you may have to do a little bit of traveling so it's better for you to get this done sooner rather than later the risk of getting a termination you know, anytime, depending on the termination you get, if you end up getting what's called a dilation curatage, where the inside contents of the uterus is suctioned and scraped for removal, then that could carry a very small risk that scar tissue will develop inside of the uterus, okay? Um, and that's called Asherman syndrome. Some people that get scar tissue inside of the uterus can have an issue with um, with fertility and getting pregnant. Some people who have scar tissue can also have an increased risk of the placenta being too adherent to the wall of the uterus or the musculature of the uterus when they do get pregnant eventually. But again, if you've not had any other surgeries on your uterus, that risk is considered very, very small, okay? I would not, basically, the risk of a, um, a DNC or termination, I would not say, oh, I don't want to do that if... You're concerned about having a baby by somebody else that's not your husband because that risk is very tiny. The other piece is, have you talked to your husband and how do you feel about not knowing the paternity and moving forward to say, do we want a baby or do we not want a baby? Let's start there. And then if you're like, I want a baby, but I definitely don't want this baby by somebody has violated me, then you need an amnio. If you're like, I would consider a baby because I want a baby, okay? Then maybe have the baby and then get to paternity testing afterwards. So it really depends on what you and your husband want. And I would say, you know, have uh, come to Jesus with yourself because you're the person that's carrying the baby. So you have to be able to mentally handle carrying a baby if you've been violated, okay? And nobody can tell you the right or the wrong in that. So if you say, I absolutely cannot carry a baby, that's not my husband's, get the amniocentesis and then make some decisions fairly quickly because you may have to do some traveling. I would not worry about the risk of fertility because they are very, very small unless you've had a lot of procedures on your uterus. They're very, very small with a DNC. Also, since you're 14 weeks, you could also get induced and not have to have a DNC, okay? Unless you have issues with bleeding, they would give you medicine called Cytotec to allow you to go into labor on your own and avoid that surgery. So it would then in turn decrease the risk of you having issues with fertility later on, okay? And if I can help provide any more details, you know, please send me a message, and email directly. Um, so that I can help you navigate this, because this is a, a little complicated, a little complex than a straight up answer about should you terminate or should you not terminate? And should you find a paternity or should you not find a paternity? OK, the straight answer is find a paternity and then. Have a come to Jesus first to say, would you carry a baby that's not by your husband? If the answer is no, then you are terminating if the paternity comes back, not of your husband's. All right, medical intern, what's the next email question?
2: This one says, Dr. Plenty, I'd like to know the paternity of my baby as soon as possible. Is there a way to get an amniocentesis done at 12 weeks during my genetic ultrasound? If so, what are the risks of an early amniocentesis?
1: There's no way to get an early amniocentesis at 12 weeks. Usually between 11 weeks and 13 weeks and six days, we're doing what's called a chorionic villus sampling. And that's where we are taking placental cells that flake off and enter your circulation. That's what we would be doing if we did a blood test to tell the gender, they, those are placental cells. But during a chorionic villus sampling, we're actually taking those placental cells as a biopsy and sending those cells for its genetic makeup. Can you technically do paternity testing off of that? Well, yeah, but there's about a 1% chance that the placenta has a different genetic makeup than the baby, okay? Or what's called placental mosaicism, meaning there may be more than one cell line in the placenta. Uh, With that, it's not recommended that you do paternity testing off off of a placental sample. It's recommended that you do it off of the amniotic fluid, which are fetal cells, the baby's actual cells, that have flaked off and entered the amniotic fluid. I would wait. Um, and the earliest that you can do an amnio, like I said, uh, somewhere around 15 to 16 weeks. Usually we want to schedule it 16 weeks and after because we know that those two layers, the amnion and chorion have fused. And whenever we do them earlier than that, than the fusion, then we can get what's called tenting. So as we introduce the needle, we can see the membrane start to tent down. That can cause issues with bleeding and can increase your risk of miscarriage. Overall, the risk of an amniocentesis in general after the 16 weeks it carries a very small risk of miscarriage. That risk is about 1 in 300 to 1 in 500 chance of fetal loss. With people that have a CVS, that risk is about 1 in 200. CVS carries a little bit of a higher risk of a fetal loss or miscarriage than a genetic amniocentesis. But if a genetic amniocentesis is done safely at the correct gestational age, I mean over 16 weeks, under ultrasound guidance so we can watch the needle go into the uterus and we know that we are not hitting the baby, then the risk of that is very, very low. I've done thousands of amniocentesis. I've never had somebody that's had a complication, knock on wood. If you have proper patient selection And proper gestational age, then it is relatively safe. But 12 weeks, the amnion and chorion are not gonna be fused. So it's not gonna be safe to do an amnion, uh, an amniocentesis that early. And mind you, I know people wanna know paternity, but y'all, this is not an emergency. Okay, not knowing the father of the baby. It's not a life or death situation. I know it gives you anxiety and you want to know because you want to plan and you try to figure out who to be with, who to celebrate with, who to bring your prenatal appointments. I get it, but you may have to choose who you want to be with based on how you feel about them and not based on who the father of the baby is if you don't know, okay? Because putting pregnancies at risk to do amniocentesis for paternity is not what your provider will recommend, okay? We cannot put pregnancies at risk just for paternity without having something that can change the outcome, okay? Like, hey, there's a genetic condition that can change the quality of life. I need to know so that I can know how to get this baby treatment. That's a little bit different than, hey, I just want to know the paternity. We want you to wait with the proper time. This is not a rush. We can find out, later in the pregnancy when the risk of you losing the pregnancy is much lower or you can find out after the baby is delivered where that risk is is no risk basically of losing a baby. It's just a cheek swab or a blood test depending on what type of test you've done. So yeah, the risk of early amnio is losing a pregnancy and we definitely don't want to do that if we can avoid it. All right, medical intern, do we have any other Nope, we have no more email questions. So thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope that you've learned more about paternity testing. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate, and comment. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Feel free to check out more YouTube channel chats for quick talks about pregnancy complications and the website, drnicoleplenty.com for more pregnancy info and pregnancy downloadables. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening.
0: specific. Specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.